0: Hello and welcome back to 365 days with MXM Tune. I'm Maya, a singer, songwriter, videomaker, Oakland native, and a supporter of democracy. I'm also a huge fan of history. I love untold stories, gross facts, hidden secrets, and anything weird, dark, and funky from the past. Each day I'm going to share one of my favorite deep cuts with you, so let's take a look at today's story. It's
1: 365 with MXM Tune. Every day, so don't leave too soon. I'm gonna teach you stuff. No it won't be tough. Gonna go a year till you've had enough. It's 365.
0: On this day in 1949, Siam was renamed to Thailand. The Southeast Asia country was known for centuries as Siam, but changed its name back and forth twice once in 1945, and again for a good four years later. Let's learn more about Thailand's history and how it relates to the country's present day politics. Amid lush mountains, tropical forests, and historic temples sits Thailand, formerly known as Siam. It borders countries like Laos, Cambodia, and Myanmar, where Mekong River snakes up and through to southern China. From the bustling capital of Bangkok to the beaches of Phuket, Thailand is a vibrant country with a complicated history stemming back from the Siamese kingdom. And yes, in case you're wondering, Siamese cats are from Siam. The more you know! For about 800 years, Thailand was an absolute monarchy under the kings of Siam. This form of government gave the monarchy all of the power. There was no written constitution or laws. By 1782, Rama I founded the Chakri dynasty, which still reigns today. In a dynasty, the throne gets passed down each generation until either the family is overthrown or if they decide to give up their title. But in constitutional monarchies, the ruling family retains their title, yet defers their legislative leadership roles to elected officials. Think about the present-day British monarchy. You have the royal family, but you also have a democratically elected prime minister and parliament. Interestingly enough, Thailand was the only country in Southeast Asia to avoid being colonized by Western forces. In the 1800s, Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam were colonized by the French, who called the region French Indochina. Meanwhile, the British took control of Burma, or present-day Myanmar, but perhaps because of the strength of Thailand's monarchy, they remained free from colonization. King Rama V reigned between 1868 and 1910 and he enacted various political and military reforms that helped Siam persevere. Some theorized that it made sense for the British and the French to have a neutral land between their Southeast Asian colonies, but it's not as though they didn't try to expand further into the land. After the Franco-Siamese War in 1893, the Siamese ceded what is now present-day Laos to the French, but they still retained their kingdom. It's fascinating that the people of Siam were able to remain free, but due to the authoritarian nature of the monarchy, their internal challenges would only continue. In 1932, the People's Party emerged in Thailand. On June 24th of that year, the leader seized military control while the king was away, captured royal officials, and forced them to negotiate a new constitution. The coup was successful, but only a year later, the royal government staged a counter-coup. For the next several years, the Siamese military expanded, and in 1939, the military dictator changed the country's name from Siam to Thailand. But by 1945, the country became known as Siam again, only for it to revert back to Thailand for good in 1949. For the last century, Thailand has experienced much political upheaval. Since the revolution in 1932, Thailand has had 20 different constitutions and charters and 12 coups, the most recent of which took place in 2014. The Thai military took over once more, dissolving the Senate and repealing the Constitution, but now young people are emerging as a force to be reckoned with in the fight for a transparent democracy. In early 2020, the court decided to dissolve the Future Forward Party, which advocated for a democratic government. In response... Thai high school students and university students staged protests on their campuses. This is especially daring since it's illegal to criticize the monarchy. Many protesters have faced legal consequences, but their demonstrations continue, even during the pandemic. One of their slogans is, let it end with our generation. They want to end the political instability of all of these coups. They are calling to dissolve the parliament, allow people to freely critique the government, and amend the militaristic constitution. Some young protesters used a three finger salute to show their unity, which references the revolutionary salute from the Hunger Games series. Across borderlines in Myanmar, young people are also leading the fight for a more just world. In February 2021, Myanmar's military overthrew the government in a coup and installed an unelected leader. Since then, thousands of protesters have been trying to restore democracy. We mentioned this conflict in our March 12th episode, but since then, the struggle has only worsened. As the beginning of April, we mentioned this conflict in our March 12th episode, but since then, the struggle has only worsened. As of the beginning of April, over 500 people have been killed in these protests, and over 3,000 people have been detained. The journey towards democracy rages on, and I wish these young protesters safety and strength as they carry on their courageous fight. Today, in 1956, Elvis Presley made his debut on the UK charts with Heartbreak Hotel. Like many blues songs, its lyrics are morbid, repeating the refrain, I get so lonely, baby, I get so lonely, I could die. Though his producers found this song depressing, Elvis managed to change up the song's sound enough that it became a hit. Even though he didn't write the lyrics, he earned a songwriting credit from the substantial musical contributions he made. Heartbreak Hotel remained on the British charts for 22 weeks. And now for today's Music Fact, we have a very special guest, Alyssa Milka, is here to talk about
1: May 11th and her life. Okay, so May 11th is a notable day in my musical career because it is the day that one of my two fake managers at the time booked me my first residency at a hookah bar and lounge in Mississauga, which is like on the outskirts of Toronto in Canada. And I grew up way out in the country and my my two fake managers were just me, uh, you know, doing different accents because I was young and I realized quickly that people weren't gonna, you know, let me book shows. Anyway, so I landed this gig and my dad somehow uh, agreed to drive me every Tuesday night, it was around 10 p.m. And I would play in between like these punk bands and like sometimes rappers and it was mostly like men in their 40s and 50s that were there playing pool and I would play and sing my songs every week and had a captive audience and like made friends with the people there and and I just was like I love playing live music and I want to do this for the rest of my life just maybe not in a hookah bar And now for our final segment of the day, I'm going back
0: into my own photo archives to see what I was up to on a May 11th in my life. So, on May 11th, 2019, I filmed the prom dress music video. This was like my first bigger budget music video. Up until that point, I had largely been pretty like financially aware of of like, and not to say I wasn't aware of the music video for the prom dress song video. Da 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 da. But I think up until that point, I wasn't really like spending as much as I could potentially spend on a music video because I wasn't sure if there was a song that I felt like I wanted to put all my eggs into that basket. You know what I mean? But the Prom Dress music video was that song. Um, At that point, Prom Dress had kind of like taken off a little bit on TikTok and we were making a... A little bit with it on uh, the music video end. It was definitely like a very big labor of love for me and my whole entire team and everybody that was working on the video. Um, I storyboarded the whole thing and worked with the director to really create a video that I felt I like could encapsulate the experience of being at prom and also try and make it something that actually felt joyous and um, representative of the diversity of people and um, what high school looks like. So. I had a lot of fun with it. I just have such fond memories of waking up really early and getting to drive to set with my family because we were able to shoot it in the Bay Area. My manager was there um, and everybody was so lovely and nice the entire day and all the people that were working as extras were so wonderful and I had a lot of fun. Music videos are one of my favorite things to do with the work that I get to do every single day um, and Prom Dress was definitely one of my favorite projects I've worked on. Thanks for going back in time with me and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can come back tomorrow for more stories from the past. It's
1: 365 with MXM2 New facts every day so don't leave too soon I'm gonna teach you stuff No, it won't be tough Gonna go a year till you've had enough It's 365